I just want to let you know, I am so honored to be here and uh, be able to speak today. I know a lot of you have seen Danny and I kind of sneak in, you know, maybe once every six weeks or so and sit in the back. And, and we love church planting. We've been able to be a part of a couple of church plants in our life. And we've helped a lot of church planters. And believe it or not, this is our very favorite stage of the church planting process where you're all just coming together, everybody's working together to make it happen, and, and you know pretty much everybody. At least you recognize people really quickly, and, and I was just talking to one of the gals upstairs uh, helping with the children, and she said, this isn't really my number one call, but I know there's a need here. And I said, yeah, that's part of church planting. Everybody jumps in and just serves where they're needed and where, the you know, JT and Laura say, oh, we need someone here. We need someone to make coffee. We need someone to set up chairs. And everybody does it. And I also want you to know that there are people that are praying fervently for you guys. Uh, JT and Laura planted out of the uh, Vineyard Church of Delaware County. And I talk to people regularly that are praying for you guys. And so just know that as you're doing this, there are people that don't even know you, but they're praying regularly for you. And it's fun for me to get to go back and report, you know, different things that are going on. But when JT, let me check my time here where we're starting, or we'll be here for all afternoon if I don't keep... Uh, you know, my eye on the on my watch here. But when JT said, you know, Mom, why don't you come up and, and speak one week? He said, you know, we'll just take a break from our series and you can just pick whatever topic. And I prayed about it and I felt like the Lord just said, tell them your story. And I said, well, what part of my story? Because it's a long story. And I felt like the Lord just put it on my heart so clearly. He said, tell them about me and what I've done for you and how you've experienced my love through this time of suffering. And I thought, oh, suffering, you know, that's not exactly what you want to speak about as a guest speaker. But this is going to give glory to God and be lifting him up. So let me just kind of tell you the things that I've been through. over. The, this has basically been for the last seven years that I've been going through this. I was a pastor on staff at, at Vineyard Church of uh, Delaware County, and I was in the preaching rotation, and I was getting to speak out at different places, and I was just having a ball doing what I was doing. Well, Danny and I, and our daughter and three grandchildren went on a vacation together. And actually, this was about seven and a half years ago. And we went on a vacation together. Well, on the way, we got into a rainstorm. And Danny was driving in front of us with one of our grandkids. And my daughter was driving our car. And two of the grandkids were in the back seat. And I was in the passenger seat. And a big truck went around us and sprayed water on us. Well, my daughter, the, the car hydroplaned, and she lost control of the car, and we began to flip. And we, Danny watched us in the rearview mirror. God bless him for having to watch this. But we flipped three times. 
and I was very seriously injured. I um, broke my neck in two places. In fact, it was the exact places that Christopher Reeve, I don't know if you were around during that, broke his C1 and C2, and the doctors were amazed that I even survived, but that I wasn't paralyzed. They said, you should have at least been paralyzed. And so that I was, bro it was broken in two spots. And then my arm, this side of my body was just crushed. I had head injuries. I was in a coma. And they life flighted me to Roanoke, Virginia to a trauma unit they had there. And God bless Danny was with me through all of this. But um, during this time, I remember as I began to come to and realize the seriousness of uh, my accidents, they said, you're going to have a long recovery. You're gonna, it's going to take you a while. And I'm thinking, you know, a couple of months, that type of thing. And I felt like I t as I talked to the Lord about it, I said, Lord, I don't want to waste this time. I want to learn everything I can from you as I walk through this. Now, little did I know what, was, what I was praying at, by saying that prayer. There were a lot of things that were coming my way that I had no idea were happening. But while I was recovering, I was in physical therapy and I was, you know, advancing and moving along. And, and I had several surgeries on this arm during that time just to restore my arm. In fact, I've, I've had eight surgeries on that arm um, in the last seven years. But what happened, I had my arm in this great big cast, and this arm was my left arm, and I'm right-handed, but this was my good arm. During that time, this arm began to give me problems. I'm in physical therapy, and they said, oh, that's just probably from nerves in your neck. The physical therapist said this, and so I continued on. Well, my arm got worse. And it got to the point that I could not even use this arm practically. I mean, it was barely moving. And I'll never forget, it was Thanksgiving. And the next day, I was having an MRI done on this arm. And we were all saying, oh, good, it'll be good to figure out what's going on there. And so I go the next day, and I have an MRI. I'm on my way home. It's Friday evening. I'm on my way home around dinner time. I barely get home, and they call me from the from the hospital, and they said, you need to come back. And I said, why? And they said, well, we'll talk to you when you get here, and you need to bring your husband. And I said, well, I have an appointment Monday morning. Can't I just wait till then? And they went, no, you need to come back right now. And so, you know, Danny and I are, you know, getting in the car together. We're going, what is this about? This is really weird. And um, anyway, we get there, and the doctor comes in, and he said, you have a big tumor growing right above your lungs. And we believe you have lung very serious lung cancer and that it has metastasized and a big tumor has, has formed, and we need to admit you right now. And we said, well, are you sure this is cancer? And, and they said, yes, definitely, this is cancerous. And they said, we don't think you have very long to live. And I said, well, what do you mean? And they said, maybe months, maybe two, three months tops. And we're just in shock. 
Danny and I looked at each other, and they admitted me right then to the hospital. And they're talking already, you know, we just felt like a bomb had been dropped on us. And Danny and I are up all night long just sitting in the hospital room. We're praying together. We're crying. We're talking. You know, we're saying, you know, how are we going to tell our kids? You know, it's three weeks till Christmas, and we've got, I've got months to live. And that was such a lonely night. But you know my husband, my wonderful husband, he, he told me, he said, honey, you're not alone in this. He said, this is our cancer. It's ours. We're going to go through this together. And I remember I was just so thankful at that time that God had given me a husband to walk with me through this. Well, the next day, this oncologist comes in, and he said, I reread your, your uh, pictures, and um, I don't believe you have lung cancer. In fact, I'm sure you don't have lung cancer. <laughs> and I said, well, what, what do I have? And he said, um, we believe you have a blood cancer and it's called multiple myeloma. Well, I had heard of multiple myeloma, but you know, you don't pay attention to all these different types of cancers. Multiple myeloma is a rare, it's, it's considered one of the blood cancers. Well, they ran all these tests, and sure enough, I had multiple myeloma, and they said, you have probably two to three years to live. Well, I remember thinking, that sounds really good after two to three months, you know, two, I've got two to three years to, to figure all this out. Well, anyway, we ended up over at the James. By the way, it is a great place to go if you ever have cancer or if you know someone who does. But I kept telling the Lord, is this what you were talking to me about giving this time to you and walking with you through this time? Is this what you were talking about? And I knew it was. I knew that I was going to be walking with God through some really hard times. Well, I began treatment, and I've basically been on chemo and radiation for seven years. And it was really interesting. Last, It's been a little over a year ago. The doctors told me, they said, basically, we've done everything for you that we can do. Nothing else is working. And I was just getting one bad report after another. And they were just saying, you know, we've been able to keep you alive for seven years, but it, you know, there's nothing else that we can do. And I just thought, well, thank you, Lord, for those seven years. And I'm reading all these books on heaven. And I just had such a peace from God. It was amazing. It, it has been the most supernatural peace that I can even explain, knowing that I'm going on home to be with the Lord. You know, all of us, the reality is that all of us are going to die someday. We don't talk about that a lot, do we? You know, but that is a reality. If you think about it, in a hundred years from now, none of us will be here in this room on earth. I mean, it's a harsh reality, but I had to face that head on because 
I was diagnosed with a terminal illness. There's no cure for multiple myeloma apart from God doing something pretty miraculous. And I just knew, well, the Lord is going to take me home. And the kids were noticing that I was really going downhill. I was, what happens with multiple myeloma? Bones start breaking, and you start having more and more tumors in your body. And that's what was happening. I, was, I had just broken my hip, and, and I was having tumors and lots of radiation and different things were going on and anyway someone called me and they had they said I had a dream someone that knows us very well and they said I really think God is going to keep you alive longer and I was kind of like oh thanks you know but I'm thinking apart from a miracle that ain't going to happen honey you know <laughs> and um, she said no I had a sense I saw you going down this long hallway in this dream and doors were just slamming 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 and she said in the dream at the end a door just opened up and you walked through it and you had a big smile on your face and I think there's going to be a door for you that's going to open and I thanked her you know but I I just kind of you know thought well Lord I think you're taking me home and anyway um my doctor called not long after that, and he said, Penny, there's a CAR T-cell therapy. It's a new therapy, but now they've just worked it out that it, it's a treatment for multiple myeloma. And the FDA, one week ago, approved this treatment, and we have one opening at the James, and you fit all the criteria. You have to be where you at a place like you you are where nothing is working and nothing was working at that point and so Danny and I I said well let me talk to Danny and I'll get right back to you and I have a wonderful believing oncologist he is great he said well I think this is a God thing and I think you should really pray about it but we've got to decide quickly and so Danny and I prayed about it we talked about it I went through the CAR T cell therapy and the good news is I'm in remission. I am in, uh, isn't that great? So it's not quite time. The, the, now what they've made it real clear is that I can come out of remission at any moment. But I am in remission. That was a year ago. Last, Actually this month in October, I had the CAR T cell therapy and my numbers were so high my bad numbers and they just have dropped 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 all year long in fact I had a blood test this week and they were just so excited because my numbers have just dropped down so low the bad numbers have and they've stayed down there so anyway so the Lord is gonna let me live a little longer I don't know how long but I have experienced God's love in an incredible way it has been amazing. In fact, I don't look at these seven years as a bad thing at all. In fact, I was Danny and I were talking to my oncologist as it being a gift from the Lord. You know, JT, I don't know if you remember this, but when I first was diagnosed with cancer, I remember him saying, Mom, I just had a real sense that God is going to take you in a, to a deeper level in his love for you. And I remember thinking, yeah, my little son is giving me this word. But did you know that's exactly what has happened? I mean, I have experienced God's love in an incredible 
incredible way. I mean, in ways that I had never experienced before. In fact, I don't even feel like I'm the same person that I was seven years ago because of God doing this deep inner work within me. It's, it's just been amazing. So that's what I'm going to talk to you about. Some of the things that I've learned through this last seven and a half years that God has uh, uh, taken me on. And also, the reason why I'm going to talk about that is because I know that all of us go through trials and tribulations, and we all suffer in this life. It may not be the same way that I've, I've gone through trials and tribulations. Yours may be things like uh, maybe you have... Uh, depression, or maybe there's financial problems you're struggling with, or maybe something like loneliness. I mean, I could just go on and on talking about the different trials that we go through in this life. We could go around the room and we could all talk about the difficulties that we deal with. And if you're sitting here thinking, well, I don't really, I've never experienced difficulties, let me say, just wait. Just wait. You live a little longer. In fact, Jesus promised us that in this world we'll have trouble and tribulation. And he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And so it's so good to walk with Jesus through these difficulties that we all experience them. And it's so good to go through it with Jesus. Okay, let, let me just talk about why we suffer in this life. I think the Lord's kind of, you know, underlined that in with me uh, about why we suffer. There's all kinds of, of reasons, but you, did, did, you, did you know that when we suffer, that God is doing a deep work within us? He's purifying us. The Bible calls this sanctification. He's doing a great work of sanctification within us when we are going through trials and tribulations if we choose to let God do his good work. And it's so important that we don't waste our trials, that we don't waste the hard things that we, that we have to go through. You know, so often when hard things hit, whatever it may be, maybe marital problems, who knows what, or maybe the fact that you aren't married, or, or, you know, we can just, again, go around the room. But oftentimes, as Christians, we think, this shouldn't be happening to me. I'm a Christian. You know, I shouldn't be going through this, these hardships. But let me, let me just say, have you read the Bible lately? <laughs> I mean, every person in the Bible suffered I mean, you read, show me one that didn't. You know, somebody that God really used in the Bible. Every single person went through hardships. And you read the word of God, even our Savior, Jesus, he was called a man of sorrows. He went through dark, dark times. Uh, but we need to accept that and, and embrace the fact that the Bible is full of stories 
of people that went through really hard times. But you see God doing his good, good work. And, and that word sanctification, it's just kind of a fancy word for here's the definition of sanctification. It's that action or process of making something or someone holy being freed from sin or purified. You know, and I also I want to make it really clear that we're never completely purified while we're on earth. We're going to be, God's going to be, be doing that sanctification work within us as long as we're here on earth. He's going to be working within us till we die. And we're never going to, I'm, I'm always hoping I can reach that place of perfection. It never happens. It doesn't happen. He's continuously working. It's like when you're finished with one area, he'll show you another, uh, another, it's sort of like that game. Have you ever played that game whack-a-mole? You know, and you think, oh, good, and all of a sudden another one pops up and you, you have to hit it and make it go down. 1 Peter 4.1, I think I put it wrong on the, on the uh, um, thingy up there, but it's, it's 1 Peter 4.1. It's not 2 Peter. I just realized, oh, I put 2 Peter down on that. But it basically it says that when the body suffers, sin loses its power. I don't like that verse. You know. <laughs> Actually, I do. It's a good verse to hang on to and say, God, I sure hope that, that you're doing something through this. I hope that you are. Because if we choose to let him, he will do his good work within you. And that's the kind of God that we serve. Romans 5.3, the one that you did have up, Romans 5.3, it says, and this is a, this is a scripture that, from Paul, and he says, we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. This is a great verse, but the part that just slays me is when he says we exult. You know what that means, that word exult? I had to look that up and say, what exactly is exult? It's not one of those words that we use that much. But exult means to be extremely joyful. Paul is saying we're extremely joyful when we go through hard times because we know that God is doing all kinds of work. He's building us up. He's, he's uh, uh, building perseverance into our life. He's building proven character into our life. He's building hope into our life. And it says that he pours out his love upon us. And that's what I've experienced so much. And let me just say something here. Did you know that God loves you so much no matter how you came in today you may ca you may have come in in a pretty good place he loves you you may have come in in a really bad place he adores you did you know that god can never love you more than he loves you right now 
think about that for a minute. You know, we always think, if I can just be better and better, God will love me more. But that's not the truth. In your worst place, God cannot love you more than he loves you right now. Isn't that good? All right. (laughs) Someone out here is listening. (laughs) But the wise thing to do is to open yourself up to that love and say, God, you know, I want to know it more. Help me to believe that and trust that your love is there with me. The other thing about suffering, suffering can be a, a mirror to your soul. It can be a time to show you what's really going on on the inside. You know, have you ever been to a, like a, you know, maybe a church get together, you know, one of your picnics you had or something over the summer, and then you, you, you know, you're just talking to everybody, having a good time, and then you go get in the car, you look in the rearview mirror, and you see that you've got all this food stuck in your teeth. Have you ever had that happen? <laughs> and you go, nobody even told me, and I've been talking to all these people with that food hanging in my teeth, you know. Well, did you know that suffering does that? We're often in a place where we think, I'm, I'm pretty good. You know, comparatively speaking, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I've kind of got my act together. And then you go through a trial, and all of a sudden, it's revealed what is really going on in your heart. You're angry, you're bitter, you're furious at God because he's letting this happen, and it's not fun at all. It's not, fun, not one bit fun. You know, I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our consciences, but he shouts to us in our pain. It is his megaphone to the world. And that's the truth. When we go through hardships, all of a sudden, this stuff is revealed in our hearts that we didn't even know was there. Good verse in uh, Deuteronomy 8.2. You know, when the children of Israel were, were wandering over and over again in the desert, God said to them, you know, and they shouldn't have been wandering. I mean, they should have just gone straight to the promised land. But God kept leading them. And listen to what it says in Deuteronomy 8.2. It says, the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that he might humble you to test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. You see... What was in their heart was exposed while they were wandering around in the desert. And you read the book of Exodus and you'll see what was in their heart. The same thing happens with us. We think we're pretty good Christians. And all of a sudden we go through a test and everything's revealed. And you go, you know, (laughs) I remember realizing how judgmental I was, how nitpicky I was, how critical I could be. These things were revealed in my heart that God showed me. I had no idea, but he dealt with my things that were in on the inside. 
so he could work with me, so he could have his sanctification process move on and on. The other thing that suffering does, it changes our perspective on what's really important. Again, like I said, we're all going to die someday. You know, I hate to break that news to you, but that's the reality. But, you know, I knew God could take me to heaven at any any point. And even now, I pray this regularly. Lord, I only want your assignments. I want your assignments for my life. I don't want to waste my life anymore. And so often, we just go through life wasting our life. You know, rather than saying, Lord, I want to do those good works that you have prepared for me and nothing else. I want to I want to follow you and live according to your assignments. The other thing when we go through hardships, have you noticed that it it can show your dependency on the Lord? You just realize I can't make this without you. That's a really important place to come to when you say, Lord, I can't do this without you. I remember when I was in physical therapy, they said, we need to teach you to drive again because I had to learn to drive with my left arm. And I had this big neck brace on and this big cast on my arm. And I'm thinking, drive? Are you kidding with my left arm? But they said, no, we want, we want to teach you to become independent again. And so what I would do, I was so nervous about driving. I would say, Jesus, you've got to come with me. You've got to go with me. I'm not going to make it. And they would have me drive in the parking lot, just practicing. And I was a wreck just driving in the parking lot. But I remember it helped when I would say, let's go together, Jesus. And I would like hook my arm through his arm and walk to the car. And we would get in together. And I would picture Jesus sitting right there with me in the car. Those are such sweet memories of Jesus sitting in the car. In fact, to this day, I still picture Jesus sitting in the car with me as, as I'm getting in to drive. Because those fears, those fears can come again, and I can just begin to, you know, get really fearful about driving again. But we really do grow much closer to God. And I have to say, these last seven years have probably been the sweetest years of my life. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. No one that's would, that would be watching from the outside would believe that. But it really has been so sweet because God has been so real to me. And I have had his love over and over again just poured out upon me. Okay, now I want to talk about something here that I've watched in people's lives just really bring them down when they're walking through trials and hardship. And what that is, and I bet all of you have experienced it, because I know I sure have, but is, it the, is self-pity. Have any of you here ever gone through self-pity? <laughs> I see hands going up all over the place where we... Basically, what here's what self-pity is. It's feelings of pity for yourself 
because you believe that you have suffered more than is fair or reasonable. Self-indulgent dwelling on one's own sorrow or misfortunes. So here's what self-pity does to us. I call it the blight of self-pity. And that word blight, it means something that impairs or destroys. It's a disease that causes plants or life to wither and die. And that's basically what self-pity does to our heart, to our soul, especially our spiritual aspect of who we are, of our soul. We end up missing completely what God has for us when we give in to self-pity. Have you ever noticed that self-pity feels kind of good? Some of you know what I'm talking about. It does. But you know what? It is not good. In fact, it's extremely destructive, extremely destructive. Eugene Peterson, listen to this quote. He says, it's an, he says, an accident, a tragedy, a disaster of any kind can force the reality that life is not predictable. I mean, I, I had my life blown up in a moment. And that reality is far more extensive than our perception of reality. With the pain and in the midst of alienation, a sense of freedom can occur. And that's exactly what I've experienced many times during these last seven years. You know, we all have a choice when we go through, when we walk through difficulties. And we all will or do. Some of you are right in the midst of some hardships right now. But you have a choice to become really bitter or to say, God, do your good work and become better. I mean, doesn't it make sense to say, God, I choose to let you do your good work? Listen to what God said to Judah after they had been taken into captivity. They'd been taken off to Babylon. I mean, this was horrible what they were going through. They had many of their family members had been killed. Uh, they'd been separated from their family. I mean, I can't even imagine how difficult it must have been. And they were taken to another country where they didn't speak the language. They were in slavery there. And listen to what God said to them. They're praying and crying out, oh, God, release us, release us, release us. And listen to what he said. Oh, and I do want to make it clear that sometimes God does release us from trials. But sometimes he says, no, I want you to walk through this one. And when that happens, it's so important to let God do what he wants to do. That's when we experience God and we experience his love. But listen to Jeremiah 29, 5, when they're begging to be released. He says, I want you to build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Increase in number. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. 
For if it prospers, you too will prosper. You know, the Lord has shown me over and over again when I'll just settle down, you know, basically build your house and just say, okay, God, we're going to walk through this together, that it's an amazing thing amazing work that God can do us do in our life what I found is if I just nip self-pity in the bud right when it starts I found that that's the best place but sometimes we don't do that do we and we find ourselves kind of going down that rabbit hole of self-pity and we're kind of caught in it but you know what we do when we find ourselves in that place we need to repent And I'm talking about the biblical definition of repentance, that basically it's a military term that that means an about face, that we're walking along just, you know, feeling sorry for ourselves, giving in to it. Why is this happening to me? It always happens to me, you know. And, And all of a sudden you realize, this is wrong. I'm not trusting God at all. And we make an about face, and we say, God, I give this to you. I give all that sorrow to you, and I want to walk towards you, and I want you to do your work in me. I want you to do your work in me as we're walking through this together. Don't don't miss that. Don't miss it. Okay, i got to watch the time here. How, How are we doing on time? We're okay. All right. All right, I'll have you here for a few more hours, you know. (laughs) Okay, well, let me just give you some quick little bullet points, and then we're going to have some ministry time. That's the part I always love. But how to keep a pure heart before God when you're suffering, when you're going through trials, when you're in a time of tribulation, a time of temptation even. But number one, Make up your mind not to turn from God during that time. So often, you know, and I've had people come up to me and say, aren't you just furious at God for what you've gone through? Aren't you just mad at him, you know? But here's the deal. Listen to Psalm 46, 1. This, is, this verse, I say it all the time. In fact, I memorized the whole psalm because God spoke to me through it so much right from the very beginning of these seven years, all through it. I say it over and over again. Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. And that goes on and it says, Therefore I will not fear though the earth give way, though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. It goes on and on about all these horrible things happening. But he says, God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. I mean, why would I turn on the one who is my help? My refuge, my strength. I just remember thinking it's so silly for me to be furious and angry and alienated from God. I mean, does that make any sense at all? No, no, that makes no sense. Lean on him for help during those times. Lean on him. And then number two, be respectfully honest with God. 
we, we walk through that time sometimes with all kinds of questions. And sometimes it's okay to ask God, say, Lord, I want to be respectfully honest with you. I don't get this. I have said that to the Lord. Show me, is there something that I need to know? <laughs> is there something that I've done? I mean, do, you need, do I need to repent of something? Are you trying to get my attention here? And, you know, sometimes we get an answer. Sometimes we don't. You know, think about Job in the Bible. He went through horrific trials. But you know what? He never got an answer about why. He had no idea what was going on behind the scenes. We get to read about things in his life that he never knew. There's a whole book in the Bible about Job. And we've all heard about him going through really hard times. But God didn't, didn't answer him about why. You know, now he's, he's fine, I'm sure. <laughs> but he had no idea back then. And so sometimes we do. It's okay to be honest with God. And then number three, offer your suffering to him. 2 Corinthians 1.5 says, For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance. I mean, who wants that? He's, he's saying this is like a wonderful thing. The sufferings of Christ are yours in abundance. I always want to go, no thanks, you know. <laughs> but so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. You know, what I've found is when I surrender, you know, just say, okay, I give up. You know, raise my hands and surrender. I give up. The Lord does amazing things. When I give up, he does amazing. There have been times in the hospital when I've just wondered, why am I going through this? I have been in and out of the hospital so many times. And as I surrender to God, again, that peace comes over me. When I surrender, I don't get it, Lord, but I surrender. I surrender to what you're doing. There have been many times... I have seen God move amazingly at the hospital with people I've run into, with nurses, with doctors, all kinds of things have happened as I've been in the hospital. And then ask God to use you in your suffering. There was a book I read years ago, and it was called Don't Waste Your Sorrows. And the book, I don't even remember anything about whether it was good or not, but the title of the book has stuck with me. Don't waste your sorrows. Don't waste your sorrows. It's so important. God can use you. You know, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, Power is perfected in weakness. And did you know that sometimes as at my most weak position, God has used me the most. You know, I have had prayer numerous times for healing during these last seven years. Nothing happened. I have prayed for other people that I have seen healed in my weakened condition. It's amazing. When we are weak, God is so strong through us. Second Corinthians 1.4 says, who comforts us, God, who comforts us in all our affliction 
so that we will be able to comfort those in affliction. You know, when you've gone through trials, God uses it. He uses it powerfully. And then lastly, we're going to wrap this up, but keep your eyes on Jesus when you're walking through trials. You know, Jesus is the one that gave up everything. You know, I love Romans 5, 8. It says, but God proved his love for us in that while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. I mean, that's amazing that in our very worst condition, Christ proved his love for us. And he was walking through incredible trials and suffering while he was here on earth. But he proved his love for each and every one of us because he loves us so much. Keep your eyes on Jesus as you're going through these hardships.